Hello folks, welcome to another episode of Dicing with Design. Back for another episode after a little bit of time off. How long have we been away, guys? A month? Uh, we haven't had a, an episode in, in September, and that's the that's probably the longest we've gone in over a year. Yeah, it's actually, we've done quite well, I think. That's well, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, we're back now. We're back with some more wonderful topics. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, a few of the games we've been playing recently, such as Archipelago and uh, what else, Grant? You, you muted a couple of topics earlier on. Yeah, well, Archipelago is going to be uh, going to be a main topic, I think. Uh, but we've been <laughs> playing a few games, uh, further developing Warpack or further further testing out Warpack, uh, Joe's fantasy game. We had a game round uh, round at mine. On a weeknight, uh, quite a narrative-style game. Uh, don't know if it was all that balanced. I'm saying that because I lost. <laughs> yeah, you guys got whooped by the onrushing chaos army, wasn't it? Well, they're not the chaos army. They call it the Prince of Darkness. So if that was your own army, Grant. That you designed them. You made them too powerful. <laughs> they are quite nifty, aren't they? Uh, but yeah, well, we had we decided that uh, Joe would be. Uh, defending against the two of us with his army, uh, but we knew Dave was coming and he would be taking on uh, a fourth army. Uh, we didn't know when he was turning up, uh, so we just left it until real real time he turned up for his army to turn up. And then he flanked us in two sides. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was one side in the end, but yeah, it was it was a bit random with the real world constraints, so it didn't really know how long how many turns we'd have, and uh, yeah, with with the benefit of hindsight, it was probably a bit unbalanced to let his army entirely come on along one flank. But if we played it again and you knew that was going to happen, then it might have made a difference. Yeah. We should have coordinated better and 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 put our army on in a column, so we could have. So we'd have had time to see him approach and adapt our game plan. Yeah, and that was I enjoyed the game though. It was good fun. It was, um, yeah. We, to be honest, we didn't really plan at all for David coming on, so we were both like right next to both edges. So it was quite easy to ambush us in some way. In fact, we changed the rules halfway through, didn't we? So that it was only one side as opposed to both, because two sides yeah. would have been ridiculous. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was good fun. Anyway. Yeah, that is the thing. You need to um, you need to decide for. Have we not said this before in the show? We need to decide scenario rules. Uh, in in advance, because little things that you just make up on the spot can actually make a huge difference, and I know I've benefited from that in the past. Yeah, and not only that, yeah. we need to remember the scenario as we're playing, which is the bit I always forget. <laughs> I was deciding the scenario, and then I go ah, and then two turns later, yeah. oh wait a minute, what was the scenario again? And I've not been playing for it at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Didn't, didn't you place your slow moving block of dwarf warriors on the flank or something like? Yeah, so they spent the whole game just walking up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably something like that. <laughs> but it's generally the but, capture yeah. the hill or capture the building type scenarios, and I'm like off battling stuff because it looks like good fun in the corner, and then oh, that's not one of the game. <laughs> um, what was I saying? Uh, yeah. So, Joe, did you um find any uh, interesting points for development there? Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely the kind of clarity for scenarios and how scenarios work, um, and try and find some guidance for the you know the really weird games because it was it was weird having a real world constraint like we don't know when 
when uh, the fourth army is going to turn up. It's just <laughs> however long it takes uh, David to drive drive here. Um, so some way of trying to fit that in, trying to keep a, a sense of, of balance. Yeah, I don't um, think there's anything wrong with having uh, having that sort of real world um, unknown element. I mean, as long as everybody, we all knew that we weren't going to weren't playing a balanced scenario. We're just playing a scenario. And if, if you're okay with having a let's let's play it through and see what happens, then that's all right. Yeah, it's not like it was competitive or anything, was it? Yeah, just um, having some just pizza and some party competition. Stuff. Yes, indeed. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Not too much at stake, apart from our own honour. <laughs> exactly. I think it, it went pretty well. And it's, it's still hard to kind of judge if the units themselves are balanced. I mean, they all seemed fairly balanced. Nothing, no one unit seemed like to totally dominate the game or totally be um, worthless. Mm-hmm. If you know We're what also, I mean. Yeah, but we've also got um, a listener to maybe playtest as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Shout out to Neil. Uh, our listeners, oh, thanks. He's uh, he's been in touch about playtesting Warpack, and I should officially announce that to the rest of our listeners. I don't think I've mentioned that before, but I'm now um, I've got a PDF version of Warpack, which I think is ready for beta testing. If people want to give it a read through and give it a go, it is still quite rough around the edges, and there are still lots of things to be ironed out, and I suppose bits where it'll help if you've already got some wargaming knowledge. Um, but, but yeah, yeah with the Everyone with a collection of models probably will. Yeah, I would, I would think so. Um, so yeah, best way is just drop me a line at joe at printsdarknessgames.com and um, I'll send you out a copy of the PDF and hopefully you can playtest that, let me know what you think and, uh, and tell me all the bits that don't make sense that need clarifying. So And um, and we've got a few of the faction ledgers that we've been working on, haven't we, that we've been playtesting that we can send along for you to, to use. Um, Absolutely, yep. And uh, have you put have you put some of those in the PDF then? Uh, no, they're actually just still Word documents that I'm sending out, but I could easily okay. add them on. So. Yeah, so people can test our crazy ideas for, for armies, including Colin's dwarf bears. <laughs> they were very cool. Bear dwarfs. They never yeah, got a chance to, uh, chance to maul in that game. Next time. No, they were pretty scary coming towards us. Like, how many yeah. did you have? You had like you had quite a lot, didn't you? Was it like six, six dwarves and bears, think, and then yeah. some bears as well? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think the dwarves and bears I had maybe yeah six. Was it six and four? I can't remember. Yeah, there was a good number. And a hero. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, they'll they'll get to uh, have a proper battle soon. Okay, so what else have we been playing, guys? Oh, uh, in news, we've got uh, Joe managed to pick. You managed to pick up a copy of Space Hulk. Has that come through yet? Yes, I got my Space Hulk. Hooray! <laughs> Fantastic. Very nearly, very nearly didn't. It was like um, you know, there'd been rumours of like the big release coming up on the. Uh, I forget when it was now. Was it like the twenty third or something? Yeah. So this um, is the classic, the classic Games Workshop uh, yeah. Warhammer Forty K based board game. Uh, with uh, Space Marine Terminators versus Gene Stealers in uh, played out on cardboard uh, board sections. Yeah, yes, exactly. A desperate battle between man and alien, something like that. Um, and like I was saying, that there'd been it'd been rumours that there was going to be a big release, and then there's kind of rumours saying it's going to be Space Hulk. There's even rumours saying it was going to be a new edition of um, Warhammer. 
uh, or it was going to be Dark Elder, who showed up a bit later on. Uh, and I was really annoyed because by the time I remembered that that release had come out, I got onto the, the website and was like, oh crap, it's Spacehawk, quick, order that before it sells out. Mm-hmm. And then so I logged on and put it in my basket and then forgot my password for the website. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then like thought, oh, okay, maybe it's this, refreshed it and tried again, and then it was like, this product is out of stock. <laughs> this product is no longer available. <laughs> so I've had like, managed to get it into my shopping basket, but then it sold out. Okay. Nah. Rubbish. So I couldn't get it online, but um, thanks to my other half, I enlisted her to go to Games Workshop Glasgow at to 10 a.m. on Saturday <laughs> when the week after when when they because each store was going to have at least 20 copies in which you couldn't reserve because I'd rung up and asked if I could reserve it and they wouldn't let me reserve it so she managed to snag me a copy before they sold out. Didn't so. really have to fight through some uh, some queues of geeks. Uh, no, well, she was there so early that um, I think she was she was fine, but she said there was like a queue forming behind her right. as she was buying them. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Impressive. I've got to be honest. I mean, I'm not as excited. It's probably because I actually own the first edition, for one thing. Um, for another, I remember I was so excited when this last, when it last came out, when there was the last edition, uh, third edition. This is basically the same, for one thing, uh, as that last third edition with uh, some additional cardboard pieces, a couple of scenarios. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, but boarding torpedoes, though. Yeah. <laughs> oh, see, I, I don't have a boarding torpedoes from the old Space Crusade, so, uh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it wasn't as nearly as excited, and I, I looked at buying it, because, yeah, I think I was on the, on the on the website before yourself, Joe, and I thought, mm, no, I don't need this, I've got this. Um, yeah, you've got first edition, which yeah. is the kind of classic edition, and probably... Is still the one you can do most with, I think, especially if you've got some of the expansions, haven't you? And there's uh, yeah, of... I've got one of the two expansions uh, with, with all the bits for it. Uh, that that was one that actually came for the cardboard board pieces. I think the other expansion, as long as you got the models and found the rules somewhere mm. on the internet, then uh, you can get all the all that you need out of that game. I've actually yeah. not even played all the rules despite having had it for 20 years. I've never done the random generation, random level generation, so that could be fun. With playing playing with your models, which are obviously much better than mine. Uh, yeah, well, better than the old Terminators, the monopose plastic ones. Yeah, they weren't great, were they, the first edition Terminators? Well, they were terrible at the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, but now it's cool... Um, and it looks like they've actually brought a little bit of support for it as well. So there's data slates that you can get from Games Workshop letting you use different chapters in space. Only if you've got an iPad. Um, uh, is it just iPad? Ver- oh, it's just iPad version, isn't it? Yeah, they normally do a Mobi version, but yeah. So, um, well, there's it's some support. Pretty... It's just quite difficult to get. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of um. Yeah, it's a weird subset of of subsets of subsets that you could that they're trying to sell this game the those expansions to. I guess there must be yeah you're probably right there's a limited market for it, but if you're still geeking out on the fact that now you can have a cyclone missile launcher 
in Space yeah. Hulk. <laughs> or you can rock up with the Dark Angels and take a plasma cannon. <laughs> yeah. There's actually there's a new uh there's a new version of the computer game coming out at some point soon. Oh yeah. The Ascension version, yeah. Yeah, I have yeah. I've been playing the uh, the latest version, not the Ascension version, quite a lot the computer game, so that's probably why I was excited to get the board game finally. Mm-hmm. So I used to have the first edition but then lost it somewhere <laughs> along the way. <laughs> Don't know. I buy both expansions as well, annoyingly. Anyway. <laughs> oh well. Yeah. Uh, right. Any more games? Uh... Mm, well, yeah, in a related theme, I've been playing 40k again for the first time in a long time. Oh, you're playing with your colleague, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I'm playing with uh, with Brian, my mate from work. He's he's recently started playing 40k. He's like just got into it, just get into it. A couple of his mates have been playing it for for quite a while, and he's kind of resisted. So I've like corrupted him to the <laughs> to the ways of uh, Warhammer geekery. <laughs> but, uh, what um, are you playing? What armies? I mean, sorry. Well, um, well, I've got my Tau and my Iron Warriors, Chaos Marines, mm-hmm. and um, Brian has, has started. He's kind of this is interesting, like because he's just started and he's kind of swithered between different armies as what he wants to collect and what he wants to go for, and there's like different things appealing to him. Uh, but he's his main army is Grey Knights. He's settled for for Grey Knights. Go with them, and they're they're pretty cool. But he's quite annoyed because literally two months after he started collecting them and bought the codex, a new codex came out <laughs> making the codex that he'd just bought redundant and and dropping a load of units from it, a load of things he'd been out and he'd bought some assassins he'd, he had Inquisitor Cotiers and uh, some he was going to buy some henchmen and then suddenly that's not in his codex anymore <laughs> Well I remember I had the opportunity to buy a whole Dark Eldar army and yeah. I very, came very close to doing it. If I'd had the cash, I might well have done it. And, you know, with the codex for like 120 quid or something, if I'd done that, I would have then been uh, kind of forced into, you know, I would then had to have, to, to keep up the game, had to bought the new rule book for what, 50 quid-ish? Uh, what, for the new edition? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so a new edition come out, probably had to buy the cards for that as well. And by... Uh, the new codex now that's come out for thirty odd quid, and by the um, the models to keep the to keep up to date with it as well. So I actually saved myself not just one hundred and twenty <laughs> quid, but the other hundred and the, the next hundred and twenty quid that would have you know just to keep up with with forty k. I think I just play too many games uh, to sort of keep up with that rat race. Uh, Oh, uh, that's an interesting point that you make, and um, yeah, I mean, I I wasn't going to buy the latest edition. I only bought it because I got the because the Sanctus Reach box set came up, which had you got a mini version of the rules and a decent amount of figures with it as well. So probably not going to use many of the figures, although I will now use the Space Hulk, the uh, Space Wolf Terminators in Space Hulk, so that's quite good. <laughs> yeah. Um. But. Yeah, it is quite a lot to kind of keep up to the latest edition, and and thirty pounds for your basic army book. I think about it today, that's that's quite a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's quite a lot of cash. I just um, acquired on eBay the D and D board game, you know, Legend of Drizzt in the you know Wrath of Shadowlon Castle Ravenloft series. But I got that for thirty-seven quid. Deli- yeah, delivered to my door. <laughs> 
and that's a huge heavy box with loads of minis in it and loads yeah. of really good board sections. I mean, you can so. get a lot of game for that money. You can get, I was looking at everything, everything I tend, everything comes out of Games Workshop. I tend to compare to the Drop Zone Commander starter box, which is a, another minis game, uh, and which I really like the look of the models for. And I compare it to that and think, well, hang on, it's like less than fifty quid for to get that delivered to your door, and you compare that to you know a twenty-five to thirty-pound army book that you got by the models. It's just nuts. Anyway, anyway, but back to the games. I should talk about the game. The games are okay, but I've kind of enjoyed them. They were okay, but I still prefer fantasy. I think, and there's I don't know, there just didn't seem quite as much to it, and it's it's hard to. It's hard to know how to how to pitch your army, how to build it, because there are some units that just seem really weak, and then some choices that seem really overpowered. So, kind of, I'm playing against a new player, and I don't want to take an army that's that's too hard, that's too powerful. But I don't want to take something that's totally weak. And I've, I've tried to give him advice to build like a you know, fairly strong uh, Grey Knights list. So, is there? So, is it actually? You know the the old argument that 40k is basically not half as deep as fantasy. There's not half as much to it. There's not half as much strategy. Is that true, or is it just that um, the, the, most people play with just quite shallow armies, i.e., just a bit of infantry and a couple of tanks? Uh, yeah, I think that's a fair criticism. Comparison, different quirk in the in the games. Maneuvering is certainly a lot more important in fantasy. Uh, you know, for you don't even have flanks. You don't. You, everyone has three hundred and sixty degree line of sight, and everyone just pretty much moves six inches. So um, that doesn't come into it in the same way. And it's more kind of about target priority and just. There, I think there's a lot of like rock paper scissors and rock paper scissors before you've started playing. So you've got to have made sure you've built your list. Like if someone brings a lot of terminators, like two up armor save, then you better hope you've brought enough. AP2 weapons to deal with them. Right. Um, yeah, the meta is really important, or more so, I think, than fantasy. Or fantasy is getting, I think some people are saying it's getting that way. Um, I mean, there's, there's elements to that in, in fantasy as well, definitely the rock, paper, scissors thing, but I still, um, I think probably player skill makes more of a difference in fantasy. Like, if you know, if you know what you're doing, you can you know, pull off some things that would really bamboozle a new player. Which I think, like, if like a new player of fantasy was like playing against someone like Matt, you know, Matt, even with a, an army that looked quite weak on paper, Matt would just pull some really weird necromantic tricks, <laughs> winning the day. Winning the day. Uh, <laughs> whereas in, in 40k, I think it is more about the stat lines and what weapons you've brought. Basically, to make sure you've got enough to negate people's armor, enough to take out flyers if they've brought them, or tanks if they've got you know, some of them. Okay. So, but I, I, my experience of 4K is quite limited, so. <laughs> um, yeah. I'll to put that caveat out there. So. Okay, so, um, any more on 40K, guys? I'm trying to think. Okay, I've been trying to think uh, what else uh, we've, we've been playing. A few games you've not mentioned on any episodes. Um, one of us, which is Sudo. Oh, tell yeah. us about that call. 
Yeah, we've not really mentioned that, have we? Hmm. Um, right, so what's Suro is a game I bought uh, about yeah, a month ago or so. And um, I bought it because I thought the graphics were pretty cool, actually, to be honest. I went into the, the game shop and just um, asked them if they had any simple to, simple to learn, good for beginners, uh, just someone to play around with, quick half-hour games, that type of thing. Uh, so I got a hold of it. It's quite cool Japanese artwork, um, all kind of sea monsters and really um, kind of, I don't know, calligraphic, calligraphic type uh, artistry on the front of the box, that type of stuff. Anyway, it looks really cool. Open it up um, and it's really simple. All you get is a grid, which is about 8 by 8 and uh, a whole bunch of cards, quite similar to um, Carcassonne actually in terms of the size of them and just the way they kind of fit together. Uh, and all it is is that you have a boat and you've got cards that have little tracks on them and you set up your your ship's wake. So you have to follow the wake uh, and you set up a little route that your ship goes around the board. Uh, and the point of the game is that you're supposed to try and um, force other people's ships off the board uh, by, by engineering the wake in such a way that they're forced onto your wake and then kind of fired through the whole big wake that goes all the way through the board and off the side uh, once they get to the other end. Um, so it's kind of a, um, I don't know, a cat and mouse game where you're planning a few moves ahead where you want to try and get to the right side of your opponent's boats and uh, plan the wake so that it fires them off the side of the board. Uh, and there's a, a complication in that there's sea monsters as well. So the sea monsters that come onto the board and they move around at random and can chomp up either your wake or the boat, all the boats uh, themselves. Uh, although actually we played without the sea monsters didn't we just to take away that a bit of the randomness and actually i liked it without the sea monsters better probably what did you guys yeah think? i think we we did not like the game with the sea monsters uh it seems one of these things where you're, it took it's a lot of management for very little reward yeah exactly and actually it takes a lot of the strategy away mm. yeah they were pretty random weren't they the yeah. sea monsters yeah entirely random yeah. and they just kind of yeah they take away strategy in two ways as in they, they totally box you in so that really you're not worrying about where the other people are you're just trying to avoid the sea monsters and they ruin your wake as well so they take away your wake tiles which means that you can't really plan to um spit people out off the board it just kind of yeah just kind of ruined it a bit for us i think and you're rolling dice just separately. You don't roll one dice for direction and one dice for how far they grow and go and then that's for each of the what four monsters yeah well that seemed ridiculous didn't it i mean i th mm. i thought the whole point well it seemed to me that the way they'd made the sea monsters as in each sea monster had a number on each corner and they weren't all the same either so they're all slightly different meant that 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 was almost as if it was designed so that you could just roll one dice and then move all the monsters to that one dice which made much more sense because they still go in different directions it's still random but it saves you so much time Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or different coloured dice, so you could at least do all the rolling at one at once. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I should and... should say that that's pseudo of the seas that you have, because uh, they did a Kickstarter for that. Right. Uh, 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 yeah. Sorry, I was going to say that's probably an interest. Like maybe the the monsters were like um, kind of a victim of their own Kickstarter success. Like if they put the sea monsters in as stretch goals, or something like yeah, you can have some extra, some more of these during the sea, and then you know, actually end up cluttering the game up too much. Yeah. I think they, with them. I think the of the seas bit was was the monsters. I, I think, okay. but uh, well, somebody in the maybe. shop had told me that the monsters weren't in the original. So yeah, they were in the edition. Whether it was part of a Kickstarter bonus or whether it was just a 
a new edition of the game in general, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, Turo, the original Turo, or, you know, which you can play with the Turo of the Seas, if that's all available to you. Uh, that was quite, I, I found that really fun. I think we all enjoyed that. And it plays like Tron like light bikes. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's exactly it. It's Tron like light bikes, but it looks like calm and zen and peaceful, but it's not really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, it's, I think it's good fun. It's not half as good with only two people. But as soon as you get more than two in, uh, we were playing three, obviously. And I think if you got four or five people in, it could be quite good fun. Because it would be such chaos when you've got so many people laying down wakes and uh, ending up in everyone else's uh, same tiles and stuff. I think it would be good. Yeah, and nice and quick, too. Because we, we played that at the... We played that after our archipelago game, didn't we? we so did, it was, yeah, uh, just so we had on yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's all I've been playing recently, though. That covers it. Cool. We had a new game of uh, Stag Quest, didn't we, as well? Oh, yes, that's what else we're trying to get revisited. <laughs> so, or uh, Dungeons of Darkness, or whatever I decide to call it. <laughs> but I still quite like Stag Quest. <laughs> I like Stag Quest as well. Gives it yeah. gives it character. <laughs> yeah, we played that. What was it? We took two heroes each. Yes, we were experimenting. Mm-hmm. Sorry, this is. I keep meaning to intro all the games, and I fell out of that. I think the last episode we did. This is Joe's in development dungeon bash games using uh, Wrath of a Shardlow tiles currently uh, for yes. to make up the board and uh, Castle Ravenloft and uh, Legend of Just as well now because I bought them. <laughs> Yes. All right. Okay. Yes, they <laughs> are very, very nice titles. <laughs> yeah. So um, we were experimenting with uh, rules for using monstrous heroes to go into. So we we took a, uh, I took an ogre and Colin took a troll. I think no, I took a troll and Colin took an ogre mm-hmm. into the dungeon as heroes. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and this is the first time that you've you've used the or first time I've had the hero creation options because before I'd just done a bunch of pre-gens and everyone was using them mm-hmm. but uh, yeah this time you got to choose your race or roll randomly for it as Cole did I believe and then uh, pick your kind of starting gear and class yeah configurations so, uh, yeah and like you're saying Grant you both uh, end up with a, a small guy and a big guy <laughs> yeah so um yeah how how do you think that went Joe what do you, what do you think you'll uh, take away from from that from that game terms of development uh, I think it's, it's about kind of pitching the right dungeon length mm-hmm. and uh, yeah working away I think we're saying like about 20 tiles is probably about the limit that you want for a, a one night session Something. yeah because it, it yeah we sort of found a minor quest room was it and it, it, we were turning over tiles because the the good thing about uh, one of the one of the things we do like about uh, the D&D board games is the tiles is you get a deck of tiles because they're all the same shape they're all square and somewhere hidden in the second half of that deck is the tile that's got your quest room in it that you're going for is that yeah. right yeah yeah exactly and as I've got, I've got more of the sets there's more um rooms that have got interesting features and things that I've started writing up rules for when you meet that are kind of like the old hazard rooms in advanced hero quest yeah so they work in the same way but instead of rolling up on a table it's just it's there it's on that tile so you're like oh yeah that's got a crypt in it or 
yeah, mm-hmm. there's a magic circle in that room. So. Yeah, so you're thinking maybe uh, um, sort of cut down the number of uh, um, cards in the deck, cut down the number of dungeon sections to make it a, a smaller, smaller level for each dungeon. I think so, yeah, at least at the default setting. Obviously, people people play about with it and uh, adapt it to their own needs. I think, um, yeah, it kind of took a bit longer than I was hoping it would on the night when we were playing. Although I suppose we were starting from scratch and building characters from scratch and everything. And, um, yeah. Yeah, sorry, I was I was just saying that was the only thing, the only, um, not complaint exactly, the only concern that I had, or we had, wasn't it, that we got, I think we got to like a minor baddie on the whole level. And it felt like that was a really good ending point to the game. It took us like two and a half, three hours, didn't it? But we should have had another, what, same again, do you think, Joe, or was it? Um, no, not quite. Not quite, but yeah, but a good few more Two-thirds. titles yeah. to get through. Yeah, I think there were a lot of things that, uh, as we get more familiar with the game and as I get better at explaining it, that'll go, go quicker. Yeah, uh, once we know it a bit better as well. Mm-hmm. We still had all the advantages of uh, the um, uh, the dynamic style and the, and the movement and all that, and uh, look forward to having the dungeon saga models to play with when that Kickstarter comes through. I look at my credit card bill today. <laughs> um, <laughs> there are a few mentions of Kickstarter uh, there. <laughs> hmm? Oh, just one big mention. <laughs> yes. Uh, the it was uh, wound up I paid uh, uh, yeah spent 162 quid on this uh, dungeon bash game um, plus all the Kings of War models that that uh, they had a special offer with that so I should be getting that um, August next year on top of the yeah and I was uh, as your listeners might have seen in their feeds I was trying to run a daily podcast during sorry I didn't interrupt in, introduce the game. Dungeon Saga is a dungeon bash game from Mantic Games, uh, which they've recently tried to kickstart based on the Kings of War universe. Uh, tried to kickstart. Uh, sorry? I've said tried to kickstart. I think they've managed quite comfortably to kickstart. <laughs> yeah, it's their second biggest um, intake of, uh, second biggest uh, amount of money raised from a Kickstarter. And it's their most popular in terms of by far the most popular in terms of backers, I believe. Uh, and uh, yeah, so they got a few expansions for that with orcs and there's an orcs and goblins one. The the basic set is uh, necromantic, and then there's a demon uh, uh, abyssal, that's what they call it, a, a demon uh, expansion. And then there's one expansion which just has one model in it, but that model's a dragon. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see. Make a few levels out of that uh, when uh, there's only one, uh, only one enemy. Uh, but yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. I uh, made a kick, made a uh, pledge to do a daily Kickstarter, a daily uh, podcast throughout the 30 days. I think I managed like 20 out of the 30 days to put a, put out a podcast, which was an, an interesting experience. And um, thanks to everyone who listened. Um, How did you find it? Was it uh, pretty arduous? It was. It was just great because you know I was always going to spend that amount of time looking for details about it and going on the going on the various forums and uh, finding out about it. I just kind of broadcast about it every well most days as well. Yeah. Uh, 
I start when I started, I was on my summer holidays as a teacher, so uh, it became a lot more difficult afterwards. But uh, yeah, it was it was interesting. It was it was enjoyable to sort of um, uh, have a dialogue with folks who are listening, and uh, yeah, cool. Uh, would I do it again? Well, probably not. Unless it's one that goes uh, through my uh, case that goes through the entirety in during during one of my holidays. <laughs> you have to start your own Kickstarter during a summer holiday, and then you can do it every day. Yeah. Oh yeah, because that's not that won't be too much work, will it? <laughs> <laughs> that's a way to build the hype. That'd be quite good. Actually, that'd be a good experiment. See how well that worked for uh, keeping the uh, what do you call it donations going all through the month long. Yeah, I think you would have to have a. Um, you would have to have. Uh, well, I could do one for a pro wrestling battle royals. We're saying off air, Joe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, yeah, you're doing that. That's it. You breed now. <laughs> committed. <laughs> well, that's coming soon. So. And yeah, I think you might might struggle for content for uh, yeah thirty mini episodes of that. Yes, did well for the dungeon saga to, to have enough um, content to talk about something every. They really, they managed that so well. They managed that really yeah. well. Uh, to they have where... put that down, haven't they, Mantic? They are very good at their Kickstarters. They... Yeah, I mean, they're raising, what, a couple of grand a day every, you know, for, for the majority of it, or, or like three grand a day. So they had, uh, they put those stretch goals at exactly that amount of money. You know, they managed it well. They came out with something that wasn't, you know, the, the initial the initial box wasn't that impressive at all, but you kind of, you had to keep your faith and put in your money. And they, there's always a, as I said in the podcast, just that element of showmanship and, uh, uh, and uh, of, of putting on entertainment uh, as well, as well as selling a product. Um, and I think they managed it really well. And in the end, you look at, you look at what you get from the basic box and from the add-ons, and you're actually getting quite a lot. Um, I'm getting a heck of a lot of models and and board yeah. pieces for my well, quite a lot of money. I think so. For yeah, <laughs> I'm <laughs> fifty quid. Yeah. Should be a fair bit. That's good. Yeah, maybe we should do a little Kickstarter a roundup. I've been um, backing a few Kickstarter products. Other some that are arriving soon that have been quite interesting at the moment. Um, I've backed the Dice of Awesome. I'm looking forward to getting them. Yeah, I, th- I think I've said on the on the Dungeon Saga Kickstarter how how not a fan <laughs> of funky dice I am. Uh, these are the ones you know they don't actually have a number on the side like dice should. They have like funky symbols. Is that right? <laughs> no, they have they have the number. Um, apart from the six, the sixes don't have a number. They're replaced, or is it the ones? No, the ones are replaced. The ones just have an image. So, so you don't like that. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> the worst ones I saw were uh, where the number twos are replaced, and there's a uh, an orc taking a crap because it's number two. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, to be fair, I think there's there are occasions that could be good where ones are sick, when ones and sixes are special, uh, and it'll remind you, you know, if you've got a killing blow warhammer or uh, if you've got a game with exploding sixes, then maybe that that would be quite cool. Um, in the you know, like suggestion wars where sixes are your crits as well, kind of thing. Then um, in the end, if you get a certain amount to get over your de- the opponent's defense, so you're really just counting up the sixes anyway. So yeah, I can see 
the point there if you've got a game and you're making that roll and it is special. So that passes the the grant the grant challenge. <laughs> if you're going to replace a number, make sure you do it for a damn good reason. <laughs> yes. But uh, but anyway, I just want to say that I really like the, the dice of awesome. I think they look fantastic. I look forward to getting them, and they're quite the the basic set. The Wizards Gambit look quite eldritch and arcane. So I was looking forward to playing Rollmaster with them. It's never yeah. the D hundred. Yes, but yeah, if, you, if you're rolling it for your own dice results, that's fine. You just tell me what they say. <laughs> <laughs> they did look pretty cool, I would say, too. I'd, uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing them. In other Kickstarter news, uh, a back-to-game was not really a hobby game, but uh, a party game called uh, In a Bind, that's what it was called. Oh, right. uh, in, in a Bind. It's basically kind of a twister with cards, and it's um, you basically have to keep on attaching cards to different parts of your body, uh, but in between certain fingers, I think, and you know sometimes you have to have one in to always touching your like left eyebrow or right eyebrow. Um, the rule is you have to keep these cards attached to where they said they are. After you draw them, you attach them to a certain part of your body, and uh, the only rule is you have to keep on being able to uh, draw cards which is quite hard when you're playing in teams and you have to keep a card attached between two parts of your body and your partner's body. Uh, I think in advanced rules. Um, looks like fun. It's a friend of my brother called... Uh, brother's pal called Bez. Uh, so check that out. Just uh, look for um, Bezman and uh, In a Bind. Because uh, that's, oh. that's basically kickstarted. That's cool. I didn't realise you knew or knew of the guy who was doing it and stuff because that seems to be doing pretty well in a bind. It's got. Well, um... I think it it looks like he was practically giving up uh, on on the Sunday morning when it when uh, uh, on the last day, but because he's only halfway there, I was, and I was thinking, well, halfway there is pretty good when you only need, you know like a you only need a hundred more people to back. Uh, so he got on the social media and sure enough, it worked and. Uh, uh, Made it quite well in the end. So I'm getting uh, cool. black, and, black and white cards coming through for that, and uh, yeah, maybe some drunken fun there. <laughs> yeah, it took me a while to figure out what you were talking about when you were um, describing the game, Grant, but it did sound quite Yeah, I was cool describing it after know. a few beers, call. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it took a little while, but yeah, got it in the end. It's, it does sound really interesting. Mm-hmm. I'll look forward to that. Forward that and um, yeah, with the Kickstarter, looking forward to getting my copy of Tiny Epic Kingdoms, which is should be shipping fairly soon, hopefully this side of Christmas. Um, which was a, quite a big on Kickstarter, and basically it's um, like a 4x game, Civ type game, but in a little box. It contains everything you need, and you take this choice of different kingdoms. You have to go out and explore and, and build your build your society and try and defeat your opponents so I'm just intrigued to, to see how well that works and how good to, um, mm-hmm. and that'll fit in your pockets on these micro games it's in your pocket but I think it's I think it has to be quite a large pocket for it to fit in actually okay talking <laughs> about like oversized cargo pants pocket <laughs> but, <laughs> like like the Atari Lynx was, po- was a pocket console exactly like that yeah <laughs> that's what I'm thinking um that's that's pretty cool. And um, oh, and have you seen the Basius Kickstarter, which 
looks for wargaming looks pretty cool. I look quite good. It's quite ex- it's, it's not cheap as the it's not, no. It's basically uh, like a a mold, uh, a large section of like textured terrain, and you would just uh, uh, put some. Mo- uh, modeling putty on top of your base and then press it into a part of the mold so you wind up with sort of consistent uh, texture between all your bases all in in your models but they wouldn't wind up all being carbon copies of each other yeah exactly yeah they would all be unique bases and uh, yeah I've got a, a huge range of different things so um, I thought that looked quite interesting quite a good basing solution like I say it's, it's not that cheap um, for the initial outlay, but I think overall it'd probably save you quite a lot of time and quite a lot of and probably some money as well compared to buying textured bases. For That's it. a good point actually, because yeah, um, resin bases are expensive for your for your hobby. Um, I'm just looking at it just now, Joe. I'm not sure I entirely get it. Does it is it just a bunch of molds that they send you? Yeah, they yeah. send you, you well, what, depending on what you pledge, but your basic pledge gives you like one double-sided mold yeah but it's a negative mold obviously so that you put the putty in and then that forms the the terrain shape yeah but then there's some that like they've got a picture of some round bases about halfway down which have like real things on like swords and planks of wood and stuff like that so you've got some kind of human remains as well as just standard uh, sand and rock bases i think some of those are textured and they've added things on afterwards ah, i think okay. which are not included uh no i think i think the mostly it's mostly stuff that is on is on the base is on the textures all right they've put lots of battlefield debris and um various things that, you, that you'd encounter like on the dungeon one there are like molds for chests and um, coins and things and grates okay. and doors even and stuff so, there you go uh, that looks really right. Cool. Is is Mrs. Is Mrs. Prince then not going to see your uh, credit card bill next week, next month? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> right. Uh, I think that's us for news. What we've been doing is it? Uh, I think so. Yeah, that's news and extended rundowns. On... Okay. What happens so, when we haven't been uh, recording for a month at a time? We ended up going through tons of games. Yeah, that's pretty much. Oh, I played a game of Warhammer as well. I'll just quickly get this in because, um, yeah, I played a game of Warhammer against against Pete. I was going to play Wood Elves, and I thought I was kind of bothered. I'm just going to play a no nonsense army that just runs down the field and punches them in the face. Don't want to think, so I just took 19 trolls and a unit of orc biggins, and <laughs> <laughs> it was battle for the pass, and yeah, just smashed smashed through his army. <laughs> Yeah, fairy just rode out to meet me. He didn't use any of his enhanced mobility of his uh, cavalry and flyers, and <laughs> just had a big, massive fight. But it was quite good to just play a game that was so simple for once. <laughs> so. mm-hmm. Nice. Um, yeah, I think we'll maybe talk later about uh, Warhammer and Warhammer Fantasy and the the Gash End of Times, which looks like a kind of eight and, edition eight and a half. But uh, they'll probably leave that till later. Maybe try, maybe try uh, play at the rules before we before we talk about that. Good cool. plan. Okay, so after the break, we talk about our game of Archipelago.
feature today is about uh, the role-playing game Archipelago. Uh, now it is Colin's turn to host the games games night for us, so uh, he decided he'd give this game a tryout. So uh, why don't you tell us uh, a bit about Archipelago? I'll tell you what, why don't you tell us how we started the night? Because we didn't pay, that wasn't our first game. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, we decided, um, well, I suppose to give a wee bit of background on Archipelago the, uh, to explain why we decided to do this. Uh, Archipelago is a very uh, group creationist type game, I guess. You um, you don't really start with... Well, it's, it's GMless to start with. Um, so you kind of come up with the world, the concepts, the themes, all that kind of stuff as a group uh, during the creation phase of the game. So um, we felt like... Uh, I don't know, not that we didn't have any imagination that night, but we thought we'd uh, maybe get ourselves some inspiration by playing a game of Small World first. So we pulled out Small World and played a full game of Small World uh, to start with, just over the first hour of our games night, uh, and used that as the history of our archipelago game. So the world that we played on in Small World... Sorry, uh, if we're we're going... I want to keep to this explaining our games. Uh, Small World, if you haven't played it, is the... uh, uh, board game which uh, we review in episode two and go into much depth about the cardboard. Indeed, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the deep cardboard. We can take control over uh, races, probably several races over the course of the game, and it's kind of like uh, a fun, fun risk type uh, game in 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 a fancy world where you're trying to take over and control uh, the board. Yeah, exactly. And the way the reason it lends itself to this type of thing, actually creating a history for a world, is that uh, it's well the scale of the time over the, where the game's played is sort of designed to be eons, isn't it? So it's designed to be full yeah. life and death of a situ of a of a civilization. So a civilization yeah. grows up, it takes over a bit of the world, and then it goes into decline and then it disappears, and then you know the relics of that civilization maybe hang around for a little while. Uh, so yeah, it's it's uh, basically it, it seemed to lend itself really well to creating a a unique and uh, interesting history for our world. Those damn spirit goals yeah. <laughs> <laughs> took over the world. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was really cool, wasn't it? Because it did it did bring in some really cool little um, I don't know themes like yeah, the spirit goals. The spirit goals came in early in the small world game and stayed around for ages uh, because spirit goals obviously they uh, they do hang around forever. <laughs> For three declines or whatever it is, or well, not three declines, three phases. Uh, but yeah, there, and there was there was kind of big battles as well, wasn't there? Where the spirit goals had their last stand, or where the warlocks got taken down in the end, and uh, where the warlocks yeah. and the sorcerers had a big battle up in the top uh, northwest was, of the map. That that was it. Yeah, yeah. I get confused between the which of the is it wizards and sorcerers? Is that the the terminology, or is it the warlocks? Yes. Yeah. yes. No, you're is right. That, Joe, okay. Yeah. Is that, yeah. Yeah, you were right. Yeah, the wizards and the sorcerers were battling out, weren't they? Because the wizards were quite powerful for a long time, but then they were going, they weren't in decline, but their their power wasn't as strong as it was by yeah. the end of the game. Mm-hmm. And it had started off with the kind of the uh, the Hobbit civilization, wasn't it? The the commando yes. halflings Aye. who were there. To, they were the first line against the spirit ghouls. That was yeah. their prophecy. That was their 
their, uh, their purpose, their civilization was to stop the spirit ghouls conquering the entire world. Yeah. And they did pretty well, but the, yeah. but the ghouls still lingered on, didn't they, in one area of the map? <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> and so that was part of our that was that wove into the plot in the end, didn't it? Uh, we found yeah. some uh, we found some commando hobbits in the midst of a, a big hill in the warrens of a big mountain. <laughs> So yeah, it was quite cool. It just it just gave a bit of depth to the game, isn't it? I think because I think that's the thing I struggle with sometimes with the big group creation games is that if you're all in form, you can have an absolutely brilliant game. Like you can come up with some really creative stuff and be really imaginative, and it can be brilliant fun. But it does rely on you being a bit on form. It does rely rely on you having that inspiration. Um, and sometimes these kind of games can go a wee bit flat just because people aren't quite um, I don't know on the game. Uh, to do it so just having that inspiration at the start too, yeah it can be a bit too broad can't it yeah, yeah. it's good to say that like, constraints breed creativity yes so that's a good yeah. saying a good thing to remember in games design i think yeah, yeah. if you leave I it too know. open then it's you can't think <laughs> whereas if you've got some choices to make then yeah yeah that helps yeah it's the blank canvas thing isn't it you don't don't even know where to start but yeah with a couple yeah. of pointers it gives you a yeah a great little bit of inspiration to start working with so yeah. Anyway, yeah. So we played played Small World, got that out of the way, had our map drawn up because of that as well, um, and then got into the actual world okay. creation. Too. So that point. Sorry, go on, Grant. So yeah. Uh, so what I was just going to say, if you could take us through what what we needed to what we needed to decide uh, under the rules of Archipelago, uh, what what kind of things you need to concentrate on when you're when you're creating your world. Yeah. So the startup of Archipelago is. And the reason I kind of quite liked it uh, when I first read it was just that it was quite, it was so open and the rules just, the rules are just really nicely written. They're written not in any kind of kind of technical way. They're written almost like a story themselves. So you read through the rule book and the creator of the game is basically just sort of talking to you in a, a nice friendly, open way. And it's very, it's a very open and flexible game. Um, and it gives you loads of examples as well. So it walks you through how to do the game uh, and gives you tons of uh, little kind of inspiration points or little ideas in the sidebar. Um, I just thought it was a really nice example of how to create a rule book. Uh, and it, it really, like, I'm, I don't know, when I, if I was to choose a game from scratch, I would tend to sort of often go for the ones with more rules and more technical, more mathsy, that kind of stuff. But this one just really drew me in, just the way they wrote the, the, uh, the rule book. Um, so you start off just to give a brief a brief out, uh, intro to it. Um, you tend you start off picking your world settings. You just choose what type of world you're going with, like whether you're going fantasy, steampunk, sci-fi, whatever. Uh, we'd already done that with our small world game, obviously. Uh, then you move on to themes. So you've got your your general setting, and then you go on to what the 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 overall themes of this culture are going to be. Um, so the examples they give are stuff like um, magic and geography and technology. Uh, so maybe it's going to be a, a world that revolves around different types of magic or maybe it's a world where the geography has a huge effect on it so maybe it's like a, a volcanic world where um, there's only like tiny little islands mixed around uh, around the world and they're all um, expanding out because of the volcanoes and stuff like that or I don't know it's just completely uh, rainforest world or something somewhere where um, the geography has a big effect. Yeah, what did we pick for our themes? Am I right in the themes are controlled by different players? Like each, yes. was, is that right? That each so each player has has the yeah yeah yeah. So you go on, say, oh, 
games. What did we have? For, can you remember what we had for ours? When we had like we had natural magic and unnatural magic. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. What else did we have? Well, and that and that fitted the two different types of magic users that that, that came up during the small world game. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't. What were the other two? Because I think you're supposed to pick. We had three something or four. about legacy, didn't we? We had something about respecting the past or the legacy oh, of what yeah, had gone ancestors before. Ancestors and stuff. Yeah. Aye, to do with how many different races had been around. So, like, when you find um, historical monuments that have kind of power over over the players of the world, isn't it? Yeah. I think that was it. And I think there was one around the gods as well. Was that what it was? Um, Maybe. maybe. There was something around politics, wasn't there, as well? Like, the relations between uh, nations? Between, yeah. Religion, I think. Religion. Yeah, religion would be the gods, wouldn't it? That makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I think so, but, you, I think ah, it was um yeah, exactly the Yeah, whether grudges were held or whether yeah, how they related to each other. Uh, but yeah, so so players take control. So you split out the themes. So say you've got four themes and four players. Each player gets a theme and they're basically the uh, the god of that theme. So they decide what happens in that theme. Anyone else can then make up stuff within that theme during the game, but um that person can override it so they they have the power to say to veto something so if you control the magic and you say ah i'm gonna use magic to uh to defy gravity and fly up in the air and you say well actually magic can't do that because it needs to you know inertia um sorry what do you call it momentum so you need to actually have something else that'll fall down if you want to go up that type of thing so you have control over certain aspects of the world Mm-hmm. I, I think that was something that I found didn't I think didn't seem to come into our game that much. It yeah. was quite hard to to bring in. And for me, I kept thinking a bit like, um, do you ever see Twenty Twelve, that comedy series that uh, Jessica? No, name. I don't. I remember it. Was oh, because it was because I felt a bit like character like that. Because often I'd be like, hmm, this is a legacy issue. <laughs> I want to bring in legacy here. <laughs> I'm going to control that. <laughs> It's funny, yeah, I think you're right, Joe, that we didn't really, we didn't end up kind of pushing each other much during the game, but it, it keeps, it brings that up in the in the manual, the manual, the um, game book a lot. It says, to have a good game, you want to be pushing each other, you want to be questioning each other, you want to use the powers you have, for example, your control of the theme to change things, to, to question what other people are doing. And we didn't really do that much, I think. But um... these are the other rules, though. Um, so maybe we go into uh, the character creation because um, I'm asking the question here because I can't quite remember how it worked. <laughs> yeah, um, actually, yeah. The, the third thing was creating the map, obviously, but we didn't really do that because ah. we had our smart world one. Um, but essentially, you just go through and like set a bunch of locations, just come up with them collaboratively, name a few other elements like mountains. Oh, we did, didn't we? Like we had some key locations. Yeah. Uh-huh. But oh yeah, well, you're right. By, we inspired by the game. Yes, inspired by, but yeah, we kind of set them out, I suppose, yeah. didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we had the sorcerer's tower, wasn't it? The sorcerer's mountain in yeah, the west. Yeah. 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 The far south, the far southeast, there was the the lost world where the 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 last remainder of the Amazon race lived. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and at this point, actually, worth mentioning that that's where the narration rules started applying. Um, that's one of the unique things about Archipelago, and I'll try and remember this as accurate as I can, but I can't, I'm not sure I'll get it completely. Um, but there's certain phrases that you can use. So if you're describing someone, say you're describing a location, and you say, right, I think 
Um, over here, there's going to be a wizard's tower, which um, you know it's balanced on the edge of a mountain, and it's a it goes up a hundred meters in the sky. And then other people can use these phrases such as um, "try a different way." So "try a different way" just means I like it, but do something a wee bit different. It's just a bit I don't know, maybe it's just too cliched or something like that. It's just your suggestion that it should try it slightly differently. Um, what other ones were there, guys? Do you remember? There's the other phrases. Uh... Well, there's some you could only use. You were limited in your use by by the game rules, weren't you? Um, well, no, you there was could... the yes button, no button things, but they come up differently, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, no, that's, they... yes. that's a different thing. Yeah, that's when you draw cards. Uh, that was the fake cards. Yeah, the point is, there are these phrases whereby you can control what happens. Like, So if somebody does something you don't particularly like, um, or somebody does something that you think was too easy, or you know, you can basically have use these phrases to control the game to push these people. And I, I, I liked it because I think having that structure, having these phrases encourages you to do that little pushing or the contradictions and that kind of thing, even though we didn't use them that often. But I think once you got to know the game a bit better, you probably would. Yeah, I mean, I found myself in the early turns when we actually started the game. I just uh, took looked at all the phrases that I had available to me and just used them uh, just to get used to them. Uh, once, once we started on the games, I just you know, used them as soon as I could, whether I thought it was a particularly good idea or not, just to, just, just to throw it in. Because so, a, lot, a lot of the time when you have these overriding rules in, in, uh, in a uh, narrative game, I can be a bit timid about... Oh, Ooh. that's disappeared. <laughs> it's oh, cutting out. Oh, um... I think I know. I know what Grant means. Though I that's like. that's exactly why I yeah. like the the um, the set ones because I think what you're saying, what you were saying there, Grant, is that um, you can have these rules, but it's quite intimidating to use them. Whereas I think with having the set phrases, having to try a different way or uh, yeah. the harder, harder, encourages you to do it because oh, it means you're not... yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's one. <of> them. <laughs> um... You can't use that rule without laughing, though, can you? <laughs> Does not say try harder. No, no, I think that would make sense. Harder. <laughs> what game have you been playing, Cole? No, no I sure. think it is harder. I'm harder. Sure Cole's right. I think. I think it was. <laughs> no, because I mean, I know you've got the um, uh, in Hell for Leather. <clears throat> uh, there, there are minor story. Uh, there are minor story alterations you can make. There, there's minor yeah. for minor there's conflicts. Just one rule over. Yeah, if you yeah. don't like what's said, you can challenge it. That's it. That's the rule. But I think, I think we'll come back to this and sort of one of the main points to take away from this is, I think you could uh, easily plug this into uh, Hell for Leather and, and use use these phrases here. So you're not, you know, I don't really want to pee on someone else's parade while they're while they're telling a story but these phrases are made up to help and this is the core of the game is these phrases are made to help everyone to to make a better story Mm. and if you use these phrases um in your games of hell for leather then that can uh that sort of enhance it yeah i think you've got it exactly right there it's the it's the being in the rules these phrases be actually being written down in the rules gives you permission to use them even though it's might be seen as peeing in the parade in, uh, in any <laughs> other context. Yeah. yeah well, that, well, that's it. It's, it's peeing well, pee on their parade. Or quite often, though, you know, what, what people are saying, you kind of think, yeah, that's, that's all right. I, I quite like that. That's, yeah. that's interesting. Uh-huh. I, yeah. I didn't really feel the need to challenge much during our game, I don't think, because yeah. it was quite 
Well, sometimes I did it like like I said, I systematically went through it just to see what would happen. And some, and, you know, and sometimes it, even though there was nothing particularly wrong with it, I just thought I thought I'd launch it in there to see, just see how uh, it worked. You know, yeah, 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 to see how it worked. And it, I think you know, I think it, I think it turned out all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. Aye. So yeah, so that's how the narration works. Um, so going on to your characters question there, Grant, creating the characters works exactly the same way. You just start um, saying a couple of brief ideas, uh, but you get input from others as well. So you, you just say like, uh, so I think I want to be a barbarian. Where do you get my barbarians from? And then you actually say that to another person in the group and then they they come up with just a couple of ideas and you say, oh, I'll take that one. And then, you know, you say another couple of things and people can use these try a different way or harder or whatever phrases at the same time um to make you do different things with your character make you do maybe maybe you're the type of person like one of the people we play with who always ends up with exactly the same character i.e a big guy with a hammer um, <laughs> so you can uh, you can maybe prompt them to maybe put a bit more complexity in there or something a bit different um don't play a sneaky magic user yeah well yeah <laughs> possibly <laughs> possibly yeah I might, might be why do you take us to your character then cole or <laughs> in the uh, what in the archipelago yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he was, was a sneaky magic user. <laughs> he was a sneaky magic user, funnily enough. <laughs> um, we were talking about this before we came on air. I can't remember the full details of what we went through. He was a wizard who uh, was a dep. Was he not like the deputy or something of the Sorcerer's Order? He was a young guy, um, and there was an old guy above him who was basically he felt he was holding back the order. So he, he uh, these were bad guys. I mean, these are the necromancers, aren't they? Uh, so he he was kind of he was, like that, yeah. he was plotting to basically overthrow this uh, the old uh, established leader and um, take the order forward into the future and using all the powers that were at their disposal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and my character was the sort of the last the last of the bloodline of Amazon queens living in the living in the kind of lost world area where dinosaurs roamed. Yes. That was pretty cool, actually. We had a few good uh, dinosaur taming scenes. Yeah. <laughs> and what were you? What was yours again, Joe? I was playing uh, the the orc shaman from the Badlands, because um, the the history had been hadn't like the orcs had suddenly uh, um, arisen from the west and they'd kind of like led a trail of destruction around the land. Like they didn't, they didn't. They were the only race who didn't um, build settlements. They didn't hold. Um, uh, yeah, they weren't trying to build a civilization as they went round. They were just kind of fighting all the other uh, races in their way. But then they kind of eventually stopped and settled in the Badlands, and there was their their might was starting to be on the wane. Um, and I was playing like the the Grand Shaman of the Orcs, who was trying to keep an alliance together between the different Orc tribes that had all kind of gone off their different ways. Yeah. And the point of every character is that they have to have a central conflict of some sort um and a kind of relationship with somebody else related to another character as well and it could be with one of the other characters one of the other real characters or it could be another made-up character sorry an npc i should say um so yeah yours was who who was your relationship with joe were you not with another um i think i had a couple i had like my my son was uh an orc who'd gone off with like a band of 
what commander was basically, and they tried to storm the Warlock's Tower, hadn't they? Oh, they tried yeah, to, like, that was it, So yes. they'd, been, they'd all been taken prisoner. Yeah, yeah. So, so Masterman had been taken prisoner by your character's order. Yeah. I think, like, you were his... You were, like, in charge of his cell or something, or his yeah, jails, weren't exactly, you? Yeah, exactly, like yeah. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but then there was also my um, my apprentice, my say Mr. Apprentice, who had um, not been able to control the natural... The, you know, wild orc magic that he, that I was trying to teach him, and he turned into this beast. Oh yeah, and he, this green, furry, like practically mindless beast that was roaming around the forests, and but he kind of became I thought. a protector of your character, didn't he, Grant? Yeah, <laughs> what was <it> called? <laughs> I thought. Yeah. <laughs> I thought. Yeah. 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 So we each came up with a few indirect characters, didn't we? NPCs. Uh, who then were tied into other people's storylines or were drawn into drawn into yeah we were and uh did, were you playing like a troll merchant as well colin that wasn't that wasn't maybe he wasn't your main character but that was a character you were playing someone else's scene i think that was in one of your scenes wasn't it because the trolls were pals with uh, the orcs and they teamed up to yeah. go in and try and root out the uh, the warrens in the mountain that was it yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm never getting confused because in Small World you had the trolls, didn't you? Yes. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I think I played the King of the Trolls uh, yeah. <laughs> in one of your scenes. Okay. So also you we you had to write. Do we not have to write endings for each of our? Yes. Uh, that was it. Yes. yes. Destinies, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, the destiny points. Yeah. So you each um, had to write down three things that would be interesting to hear about from the other characters. So things that would happen to them. So I wrote three things for uh, Joe, and I wrote three things. No, wait a minute, that's not quite right. I wrote. I a think couple you just of write one, each. don't you? Was it then one? Everyone. Yeah, you write yeah, one for each of the character, right. and then they choose. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I wrote one for you and one for Grant. Grant wrote one for me, one for you, Joe, and the same. So we all had two to choose from, basically. Um, well, I pre- you pretty much wrote both wrote kind of something similar <laughs> that I was going to be dro- my character's going to drop off the back of a dinosaur <laughs> uh, I think both because I was talking my, my character wanted to retake control of the dinosaurs and uh, uh, so the Amaz- Amazonians would retake the world yeah uh, yeah I think mine was something about you raising a dinosaur and then riding it and you yeah. like fall off one as you're riding it <laughs> <laughs> I think um, mine for you, Joe, was uh, to kill a fellow shaman in battle or something like that, wasn't it? No, to kill an orc. To kill an orc, orc, orc war chief in war battle. Chief, yeah, yeah, that was it. That was it. And yeah, Grant's was quite quite interesting. What did you write for mine as well, Grant? Because I was quite tall. I couldn't. I was, it was quite hard for me to choose which one I wanted. What was yours? Yours was something about finding an egg or something, was it? Oh, did I try and tie it up to maybe a tight. Yeah, finding an egg would kind of sort of force it into my storyline as well, which would have been interesting but i don't recall what i wrote down actually so maybe you didn't use that one yeah and that's what you have to get to at the end of the or sorry what the you session. will get to at the end of the session yeah yeah um, which is the, which is the bit we were kind of struggling with wasn't it because you yeah. you've got this aim which isn't exactly well they're all different for a start so none of us are tied together it's the same that everybody knows about as well, because you you pick it out and you tell them and you yeah. put it in front of you, so it's visible, so everyone knows what your endpoint is. And yeah. You're, and you yeah, it's, have... not, it's not even an aim, is it? It's a destiny. Yeah, it's yeah, like totally. that will happen to your character. You're not trying to get that to happen. Yeah. That is what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And for me, it didn't it didn't seem like there was anything stopping you from doing that after the first scene. Yeah, 
I, I think, see, I think yeah. basically the the book or the manual kind of tries to get the point across that the whole point of Archipelago is that you're working as a team to get to these destiny points, all of you to these destiny points in the most interesting way possible. So the, mm-hmm. the you it's win that the game way possible. It's quite hard to come up with. <laughs> yeah, totally. So you win the game as a team if everyone gets to it and it's interesting along the way. <laughs> so I suppose maybe that's why you shouldn't or you can't just go and do it in your first scene. You could just say, "Oh, I, oh, I just jump on a dinosaur and then I fall off." Oh, done. <laughs> but it's not a story, obviously. Mm, yeah. Is is it a game? Well, that's the question. Mm. <laughs> Probably not if you're going for the the harder classifications of game. Depends where yeah. you're drawing the line and stuff. But I think on our going from our previous classifications we had, I think when we did the what is a game episode, I don't mm. think it would qualify, would it? Because there's no there's no goal, is there? Yeah, there's, there is an outcome that is going to occur. Yeah, kind of. If because to use analogy, it's like Suro. If you had your beginning wake and your end wake. And then you just had to lay tiles <laughs> to join them up. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's it. And and it's like, it, you lay the most interesting tiles you've got, okay? Yeah. And it's the achievement as well, isn't it? The achievement's so nebulous because it's kind of, you know you're going to get there. So if the achievement is that you do it in a good way, how do you define a good way to get there? It's just kind of, I don't know. Yeah, I suppose you could look at morals, but the, you're not really forced on that, that route and um, I, I th- for me, it's kind of an interesting conflict between, on one hand, it, it really wants you to be freeform and improvise and use those techniques. But on the other hand, it's got things in it that are like the antithesis to that. If you're looking at, because um, basically the entire game is essentially bridging. You're yeah. bridging from where your character is to where you know your character is going to be. Yeah. You already know that's going to happen. So you're just building a bridge but it's hard to get invested in that bridge when you know yeah, you've got to decide. Yeah, and Keith Johnson talks about that in, in his book Impro, which is like the, the Bible of improvisation and stuff, that says that you sh- it's one of the things that you should try and avoid in an improvisation scene. You shouldn't bridge. If, if you've established you're going get, to get somewhere, get there and then find out what happens. Mm. So having that built into the game is... Um, I don't know, it made it a bit tr- tricky for me, especially because my character, you know, had a fight with a war chief and, and tried to kill him, but then, it, you know, we used the fate cards and he got, uh, no, but <laughs> something else happened. Yeah. Well, let's go through these fate cards, because yeah. these all these all, all come from uh, previous <clears throat> previous discussions we've had about Impro um, and others. Uh, these are very familiar, very familiar hmm. phrasers. Yeah. So um, you'd like to tell us about those cards. Yeah, so you you basically you can draw them once per session can't you i think it's basically when you think that the story's foundering a bit or you're just struggling you just don't really know what to do you go right draw a fake card it's only once per entire session so it's got to be kind of needed uh you pull it out and you give it to somebody else and it does that yeah like you say grant it has a no but a yes but uh no, wait a minute. No, that's not the fake We're getting confused, cards. aren't we? There's yeah, different no, types of cards. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's not the fake cards at all. That's the decision type card. I can't remember what they're called now. The, the resolution cards. Okay, resolution so you card. got... Uh, got front just ah, there. Okay, cool. Yes, and. Uh, yes, but. Perhaps. And 
no but. Oh, yeah. and no, there's no and as well. So all the all the permutations. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's when say you were in your battle, wasn't it, uh, Joe? When you were fighting the shaman, you went, "I'm going to kill him," and you were like, "Oh, okay, let's draw a card." No, but <laughs> so you couldn't. Uh, but yeah, the fake card. Uh, well, then I could later in the scene, couldn't I? Because that was only one. Yeah, but in the scene, again. It's not my scene. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I could just do it again. Yeah, totally. Oh, I try again. <laughs> no, but I try but, again. <laughs> but you couldn't play another no, but on him, could you? You couldn't have another resolution or something like that. Yeah, yeah. There was. Yeah, it's almost like they kind of there's a, 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 a etiquette thing where you can't do it twice. But I never said that anywhere. It was just <laughs> you kind of think, well, surely you can't do that. Well, it doesn't say anywhere you can't. <laughs> yeah. But otherwise, I'm like, well, okay. But if I need to achieve my destiny, I've got to find another war chief, and yeah, <laughs> there's none yeah. knocking about except this guy who's already pissed me off. What was a couple of examples of fake cards then, Grant? If you've got them in front of you, uh, the fake cards, uh, I don't know. They're Edit. not there. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> the the blue ah, the blue. Right, I'm gonna have to t turn the page round. I, <laughs> I, I think they brought in the themes and stuff and tried to oh, use them in a different yeah. way. Like you would bring one of the themes of you know, the theme you control suddenly mm. rampages and causes chaos throughout the land, and you yeah, have to you're right. that. something uh, like that. Yeah, so mm -hmm. then the person, yeah, whoever steam it is, they get to decide something that happens or something like that. Yeah, it was basically just a little prompt to introduce a bit of chaos to the to the story, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, did we use many? We used a couple, I think, didn't we? I can't, yeah. Can can you remember what we used them for? I, I think that's that sounds very familiar. What you just said, it was something. It was somebody's theme, um, and they had to uh, say that it it flips something, like it changes changes one thing in the current story. Was not the magic with your with your sorcerer? Something weird happened magically. Oh, I remember it? I was climbing up a mountain and I opened a book, um, mm -hmm. and the book had like uh, something I needed to achieve my destiny, and it blew away, so I lost it entirely. Oh yeah, no, that was that was one of the no buts. So that was the resolution. Oh, thing. was it? <laughs> yeah, that was that was that. Yeah, because you were trying to. Yeah, cast some sort of spells and then to fight locate an artifact and then you might have to conclude drop that the book. remember. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, anyway. Okay. Aye, it has been been a while. But I think it's it's still, you know, valid to get our overall yeah. feelings Aye, on the yeah, game. It's not important what the cards are, but yeah. yeah. It's Yeah. I mean it was interesting, but to me it ultimately felt a bit un unsatisfying. It yeah. didn't quite have that kind of crunch that I was looking for to know when things happen or have something to drive towards. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, uh, yeah, I think what I took away, what I, I sort of suspected while I was reading it was it's not, a, you know, when I was reading it beforehand, was this isn't, it isn't a game, but it, it'll certainly give me pointers to help out playing other games. And you could certainly plug in plug in bits of this in, into other games to, to help you uh, to collaboratively, collaboratively come up with the story. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And you use your, it gives you good practice in your no buts and your yes ands. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's the fake cards and the prompts, uh, the phrases that you can use. They're all great ideas, and that that was what attracted me to it because I thought they are great, but there just wasn't any other structure within which they were played. 
to to make it satisfying to me anyway. Mm-hmm. Plus, yeah, I just didn't like the on rails thing. The this is what your destiny is. I just yeah yeah. Try you kind of you can feel like you're winning if you if you do something cool, um, and achieve something, but. It, when it's all got to be aimed towards this one thing you know is going to happen, it's just not, I don't know, yeah, didn't appeal to me. Mm. Yeah, I think the destiny points do were quite problematic, yeah, for me as well. I think they're probably the biggest thing with the rest of it you could work around. Maybe there's some way of, you know, you had those multiple destinies that other people have written up for you, and you don't know which one you, one's going to happen or something. At some point you have to make a decision, but you don't know why, and you've got to keep both possibilities alive or all yeah. possibilities alive yeah, as long yeah. as possible and even Maybe. if everyone else didn't know them so you've got a yeah, destiny so you've got the reveal, yeah. yeah and yeah yeah cause it just feels a bit contrived doesn't it people know what you're doing <clears throat> they know they can see what you're doing like you you start saying one thing and they know that oh well i can see how he's trying to you know lever his way into position where he can achieve that destiny it just feels a yeah. bit you don't yeah. know whether to help or hinder because if it sounds cool, well, why not? If there's an awesome way of me reaching my destiny in the first in the first scene, and it sounds cool, <laughs> why why not let me? I and mean, yeah. everyone, everyone's supposed to win. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> and there's even the um, there's even the th- the fact that there's only supposed to be, well, it recommended in the book that you should only play three or four or five scenes. Um, so I mean, you might you might only be playing three or four turns before you get to this destiny. So it's not exactly that much. I don't know. There's mm. not much extension to it, is there? Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. I remember reading a it was Robin Robin D. Laws. I think he just tweeted one of his tweets. He said, "There's so many things in the '90s that he put down as recommendations because he was just too timid to do it. Where he should have said, this is a game. These are the rules. You do this.' When he was rewriting, um, when he was rewriting, um. Feng Shui. Uh, Feng Shui, yeah, just recently saying, right, now it's a rule, it's not a suggestion. This is the game, this is the rules. Um, you will do this. <laughs> right. Um, of course, you then can house rule that as you want, but, you know, that's the basic, that is the game, and if you're going to have a game. Mm, yeah, got there, yeah, got there in the end. No, it's interesting that there was that, that kind of uh, mentality around the 90s role playing gaming advice. <laughs> <laughs> It is all just advice, isn't it? So yeah, you might as well yeah. put it in the strongest possible terms. Like this is the this is the proper way to play the game. Yeah. If you're going to play it in the non-proper way, well, I'm not going to come round your house and tell you off. So <laughs> carry <laughs> exactly. on. Yeah, but this, this is the base, <laughs> base game. Um, if you want to change it, you have to change. You have to change the rules. Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so yeah. Um, definitely uh, use a useful experience uh-huh. for me. Uh, if uh, not the game i was maybe hoping for <laughs> yeah it, it, was, it was interesting but certainly bad value for money <laughs> yeah <laughs> Worth you should probably see where you can where you can get this because uh i think it's yes, well it's Matt, look matthias for halter, isn't it? Hmm? matthias halter is the author i believe i probably pronounced that wrong <laughs> yeah and whether whether you think it's a good game or not the the book is well worth reading just it's a really nicely written book Especially if you're thinking about creating a creating a game yourself, it's uh, you could aspire to write something as accessible. I think. Yeah, Although, no, I can see some people really loving the game. It is yeah. it is kind of like the, the epitome of hippie freeform, isn't it? Yeah, that is like <laughs> that's what you're going for and stuff. But uh, yeah, for like 
Warhammer grodnard like us who like our <laughs> like our dice. Yes. Yeah. Maybe not quite got got the level of crunch we we need. Yeah. Do you reckon we could get maybe we could get the creator on to uh to defend his corner and tell us why we're all wrong? <laughs> Be interesting to hear more more of what he was like really aiming to do with it. Like what because I, yeah. I assume what, he's what had we a lot did of wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very good person. I'm, sure I'm sure he'd be happy to talk to us. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I, but yeah, you know, I don't know if did we do anything wrong. It was it was our game. It's it's not for us. It's okay for a system to not, you know, not be what you're looking for. Yeah, I know, like, absolutely. Yeah. My game is the ones I designed. Some people are, are really aren't going to like the the structures or the mechanics that come up in them, mm-hmm. and that oh, that's fine. That's you know. It's yeah. not for them. Some people really love Archipelago and it works really well for their groups. And yeah. Fair enough. But yeah, worth playing, certainly. Yeah, worth having a go. Um, so, uh, yes. Anything else on, that, on Archipelago, guys? Not for me, thanks. Okay, check it out. Just, uh, you can find, I've, I've just Googled Ar- Archipelago RPG and there's uh, links to where you can find it. In fact, uh, not far down is the actual a link to the PDF. Uh, several different um, versions of it. I think it's on version three. Yeah, now, so I think that's what we played, wasn't that. it? We played version three, I think. Yeah. Okay, when we come back, we'll be um, closing up the show and telling you how to get in contact with us. Dicing with design, giving games life. Okay, folks, we're just back to say goodbye and let you know how to get in contact with us. If you just go to dicingwithdesign.com and click the Contact Us tab or leave us a message on the uh, an audio message or, uh, by clicking the tab on the right-hand side. We haven't had one of those yet, except for uh, the young Mr. Prince. Uh, but, Joe, you've maybe got some news for us coming up on your Kickstarter Yes, yes, please uh, stay tuned and look out very soon. My uh, Pro Wrestling Battle Royale card game will be launching on Kickstarter, so please take a look over there and uh, uh, drop me a line. Uh, pledge if you like, that would be amazing. Um, and also, if you're interested in playtesting Warpack, as I was mentioning earlier, uh, just drop me a line to joe at princedarknessgames.com uh, and I'll hook you up with a playtest pack and... I'm looking forward to getting as much feedback as I can. Would be uh, great. So, thanks for that. Okay, and so until next time, see you later, guys. Enjoy your game. Thanks for coming. Bye.